that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, he can be that way because he's perfect. We're trying to change from day to day because of the imperfections in our lives. So, how's everybody doing with your 52-day challenge? How's it coming? All right, we've, uh, we've been into this seven strong days already. And uh, today we get to kick off another week. I meant to put up the, the, the day that we're on so that you could be inspired with the countdown. But knowing how our AV team works, they'll put day number eight up there or whatever pretty soon. And, uh, and we're, we're just going to get this thing done. You know, mine has been going uh, fairly well. You know, Sunday can be a challenging day with your 52-day challenge because you're at church a good part of the day. And, and so i got to get back home and, and, and get some things done. Uh, to uh, meet my goal. I, I met my goal uh, every day this past week, so I was very encouraged. Uh, but I, I have to confess, there were some days, though, if some of you can relate. There were some days when I was like, Sam, are you going to get this thing done or not? And there were two voices inside of me. One of them that said, you know, hey, why are you doing this? Don't make no sense. And another one was saying, boy, you better go and do what you said you was going to do. So it was the spirit and the flesh. So far the spirit is winning out. Uh, and, uh, and we all need to have another great week, right? This week we really need to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So today I want to talk to you about the big picture. The big picture. Uh, because the 52-day challenge, it's good. It gives us a focus. But... The picture is bigger than just the 52-day challenge. And we're not just interested in being disciplined. Discipline does not equate godliness. There are plenty of people who are more disciplined than any of us would ever be who give God no acknowledgement. So we're not just striving for discipline. We're striving to give glory to God. And our discipline, the reason that we want to be disciplined, the reason that we want to accomplish things is for God's glory and not just to reach a goal. So I want to help you with the big picture. So let's pray. And, and I want to help us to remember the bigger things so that it will help us accomplish the daily challenges. Let's pray. God and Father in heaven, thank you so much for being the great God that you are. Thank you that we could wake up this morning knowing why we're here, understanding that you've given us a divine purpose and a great mission. And Father, I just pray you would strengthen us as individuals and collectively as a church that we could honor and glorify your name and help make a difference in this dark world. Bless our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the, the big picture, and I think it's always good every now and then for us to go back to some basic things, because you can get caught up in the mundane, uh, do this, don't do that, issues of the Christian life, and, and you want to make sure that you keep a laser focus as to why you do what you do. And, and so I want to help you with that this morning, because it really helps me every now and then to go back and say, Sam, you got to remember these things, so that you can stay inspired 
And so you can get back on track with what you should be doing for God. So I want us to remember these two things. To me, this is the big picture. Number one, our purpose. Number two, our mission. We have to remember our purpose and we have to remember our mission. Every human being should be able to state clearly, this is my purpose for living. This is why God put me on this planet. And if you can't fill in the blanks on that, then you're lost. And you need to figure that out. Because you are not an accident. You were created in God's image by God for such a time as this. You specifically, He knows you, He wants a relationship with you, He knows everything about you, and He puts you here for a special purpose in life. And you gotta know what that is. And then you need to live out that purpose. You know, the world keeps trying to figure out how the universe came together, and they come up with all these crazy uh, ideas. And here's the thing, and, and this is hard for us as human beings sometimes to, to accept, because it doesn't fit logic in our, in our finite minds, all right? We're limited. But something has always been. Something has always been. Because nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And so you have to decide that something that has always been, is it the great God who created the universe, who is all-wise, omnipotent, and, and omnipresent, or was it some Big Bang Theory? We've decided, we choose to believe, that the something that has always been is the Lord God Almighty. And He, out of His love and His desire for our companionship, created us in His image. It takes a lot more faith to believe, to not believe in God, than it does to believe in God. It takes a lot more faith to, to believe that we all just evolved from some big bang explosion than it does to believe that an all-wise, all-powerful God knit us together and created us in His image and holds the universe together by His powerful hand. And so what you've got to remember is that that God created you for a purpose. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, because I think in 1 Peter chapter 1, we kind of get a glimpse in here as to what our purpose is, especially as disciples of Jesus Christ. You know, before I became a Christian, I didn't have an answer to that question. What's your purpose for living? You know, I would just go, well, you know, I really don't want to waste brain cells trying to think that deeply about life. I guess it's just to have fun, have a good time, just to, 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 to get a job and make a little money. And, and, and really, is, is that it? Is that all that we're here for? 
It's just to, to go through the hustle and bustle of, of fighting the, the trains and the buses and, and other people and, you know, for a job that we're not really that excited about, for money that we can't really keep to live in a place that really is sapping all of our fun. I mean, what, is that it? I'm here to tell you, you were made for a whole lot more than that. Life is more than just eating and drinking and being merry. Much more than that. And here in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Okay, he's already, alright, it's already up there. See, we're going to get a monitor down here eventually so I can see what you see. Because sometimes you see what I don't see. Alright? So 1 Peter 1, 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men, for, for all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I laid a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Here in this scripture, and there's a lot in there, you find the answer to why God put you on this planet. You find the answer to why you need to live the Christian life. And really, it's right there in verses 9 and 10. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What is your purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to please and honor and glorify God. That's what you were created for. That in everything you do, you would give honor and praise to God. Whether it's on the job, whether it's in school, whether it's just raising your children, well, whatever you do, 
You were created to honor God. You were created to give glory to God. And so living the Christian life, why do we live the Christian life? Oh yeah, we want to go to heaven. We believe it's the best way to live. But sometimes it's a difficult way to live. But we live the Christian life to honor God. We live the Christian life because this is the life that pleases God. That's why we do it. The message version reads 1 Peter 2, 9, verse this way. It says, but you are, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him and to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. The 52-day challenge is not about meeting a goal. It's about glorifying God. And so the accountability that I have from you, hopefully, is not out of fear. Not to please you. Not to show you that I can do it. But it's to look up and say, God, I want to live a life that pleases you. I want you to look down on me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to look down and say, yes. You understand why you're here. And so you're striving to be your best. Not to earn your salvation, not to please other people, but simply to honor the loving and wonderful and awesome and gracious God of heaven who created me in his image. He did not have to put me here, but he put me here so that one day he could just look on my life and smile and say, well done. That's what you're here for. The Amplified Version says, but you're a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchase, special people. That you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is your purpose in life? If you're not a Christian, you're missing the mark. If you're not a disciple of Jesus... You've missed the, the, the reason that God put you here. And if as a disciple, you're not giving your best to God and striving with all your heart to please Him, then you, you, you've missed the understanding of why Jesus died for you and set you free and went to that cross and shed His blood. He didn't do it so that you could be slack and mediocre. He did it hoping it would inspire you to be your very best for God. He knew you wouldn't be perfect. And He doesn't ask for you to be perfect. But He does ask you to give God your heart. To honor Him. We're to live a life that pleases God. You know, I'm very proud of my daughters. Very proud. Cynthia and I, we... We went to every graduation that they ever had. First grade, middle school, high school, proud parents with the video camera trying to capture the moment. And then they graduated from college and, you know, we, we just, you know how it is, those, those, those graduations, the, the lines are long and, and you're just there for 10 seconds. If that, 
When they cross the stage and they call their name, and it's, it's a moment. It's there and then it's gone. It's not like they sit there for a little while and say, okay, have you taken all the pictures you want? you got to be ready, right? Or you'll miss the moment. And even if it's first grade, you know, parents are there and they're just fighting and, you know, and, and, and just pushing each other. Just, i got to catch this moment. And then they went on and Christina graduated from law school and we were so proud. Proud parents. And Lauren got her uh, degree, her master's degree from Columbia University. And we were so proud. And it just made me think, that's the way God feels when you're striving to be like Jesus. He's just a proud parent. And nobody else may see it on the job. But when you say no to that invitation from that man who is really Satan in disguise, God looks at you, girl, and he goes, you did good. You just made me proud. Now, when, when, you, when you say no to temptation, and, and you just say, I, I'm not going to give in to that, no one else may know. But God himself is looking down and going, ha, amen. It was worth it for you. My son dying on the cross has made a difference in your life. And when you're striving in your marriage and, and it's not going that well and your husband's lost his mind and your wife is emotional and you stop and, and you get on your knees and you say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want to get this right. God looks at you and he goes, yes. And the rest of us don't see it. We know you're fighting, but we don't see it. But God sees it. And all these things that you do in secret, he's smiling on you. And it's really, it's not the public, it's not what you try to do to be seen that really uh, he's excited about. It's what you do when nobody's looking. And you're saying, I want to make my daddy proud. And I'm going to live right for him. And I'm going to say no to sin and temptation because I want to honor him. That's when he smiles down on you. Now you're living out your purpose. You know, when Jesus came, Matthew 3, what did the Lord say after Jesus had been baptized by John? In Matthew 3, in verse 16, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. You see, something you ought to understand. God wants to be pleased with you. He looks at you. And, and really, what had Jesus done? He hadn't really done anything yet. He hadn't faced the, the temptations yet. He hadn't gone to the cross. He was just getting, he just got baptized. And the thing you got to understand is that for God, it's not all about your performance. Or you're trying to look a certain way. He just looks down on you. The day you got baptized, before you studied the Bible with anybody, before you took one more step, he said, I'm pleased with you. Now live for me because I love you. Do it because you're grateful. Do it. Because you understand how much I care for you.
See, everybody's living to please somebody. It might just be yourself, but you're living to please somebody. As Christians, we've decided we want to live to please God. Colossians 3 verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who? Working for who? Working for the Lord, our God, they're both the same. Not for men. Since you know you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. So many people get messed up because they're more concerned about pleasing men than they are about pleasing God. And so we have a lot of churches that are browbeating people over issues that they can only get done if they understand their real purpose. I think we need to talk about giving financially because it's in the Bible. But you should do it because you want to glorify God. Not even because you just made some pledge and wrote something down on a card, but because when God looks down on your life and you, and you, and you realize that every good thing you have is from Him, you give back to please Him. That's why you do it. And so we can, we can have workshops and we can, uh, you know, tell you what the percentages should be, but at the end of the day, you're only going to give generously if you're grateful for God. That's the way it works. The same thing holds true with our reaching out and serving or reaching out to the lost. Look, we need to teach these things. We need to inspire people about these things. But at the end of the day, if you don't do it for God, you eventually stop doing it. You got to get that on straight. My, my purpose in life is to glorify God. Now let me share one more scripture before I go to point two. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance into the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners for them, with them. For you were once darkness... But now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And in verse 10 he says, And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. But you need to find out what pleases the Lord. That's what you're on this planet to do. What pleases God? That's what I want to do. You know, I get up in the morning, I, I, I get on my knees, I pray, I open my Bible, I, I cry out to God. That pleases God. You know, this, this challenge to pray to my wife 
every day, that pleases God. When I'm trying to be a good husband, it pleases God. Oh, it, it, it helps the relationship with Cynthia. Don't get me wrong. It does help. But some of us are in situations where we're getting kicked back. And the husband and the wife is not in sync with us. And you're really tested. Are you going to do what's right to keep pleasing God? Or are you going to allow the circumstance to decide what you do? That's what it comes down to. You know, I'm doing this electronic contribution thing now. You know, when you do your contribution electronically, nobody knows if you gave it or not. So, you know, you take out that little app and you punch in those numbers. It's totally between you and the Lord. He know, The Lord knows the Internet. He, he knows what's going on. So I got to punch that number in there and hit send because it pleases the Lord. Even the counters don't know what I give anymore. But the Lord knows. And look at all these things that he says. You know, sometimes people go to church and they're going, well, you know, the Christian life, God doesn't want me to do this. Is don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. It's not about that. It's not about And sometimes we even tell people, well, you should live this life because this is a better life. This is the best way to live. And, and even if it wasn't true, this is the best way to live. Really? I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't true. I wouldn't be sending my money on that application if it wasn't true. It is true. And because it's true, you make every effort to deal with lust and, and, and impurity and all these things, obscenity. Why do you do it? To please my Father. To live a life. That gives him honor and glory. And then when your, when your relatives see that, and when your children see that, and when your neighbors see that, they're not going to honor you. They're not going to praise you. They will praise the God that you worship and that you follow. Why do we say no to sin? We live to please the Father. So you got to get your values in order. And the number one value that a Christian should have, the number one conviction that we should have, is that I'm going to love God every day. What did Jesus say in Mark 12 was the first and the greatest commandment? It all fits together. When I understand my purpose and why I'm here, this, this makes sense. Mark 12 makes sense. That of all the commandments, the most important one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's no commandments greater than these. That's what my life's all about. I want to grow more and more in my knowledge and my understanding of God's love for me and what it means to love Him. Every human being has a purpose. Have you discovered yours? That's the great thing about being a Christian. I wake up in the morning. I don't have to wonder, why am I here? I know why I'm here. I'm here to honor God today. What would you say if God had a one-on-one interview with you and asked you, what is your purpose in life? 
What would your answer be? And more important, what does your life say your purpose is? We need to make sure that we keep the big picture. Our purpose for living. Number two, our mission. Our mission. We not only have a purpose, but we have a mission. It says, well, Sam, what's the difference between the two? All God's people have always had a purpose. Moses had a purpose, but it wasn't to seek and save. Moses had a mission. He had a purpose. His purpose was to give glory to God. His mission was to get them Israelites away from them Egyptians and get them all over there to the promised land. That was his mission. That's not my mission. It's not. Moses had a difficult mission. God help him. You know, Nehemiah had a purpose. He gave glory to God. But his mission, get that wall built. Get those gates back up. That's not mine. I don't, we're not trying to put up some physical wall or some gate. And on and on we could go. I mean, David was great. He really gave glory to God. But man, his mission was to unite the kingdom of God, to bring Israel and Judah together. And he did it in a powerful way. We have a mission. And he tells us there in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9, says, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's our mission. To declare the praises of God, the knowledge of God, the greatness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, to make it known to everybody. God says, look, I want you to go and tell everybody about the difference I've made in your life. Just as when that demoniac was healed by Jesus, Jesus gave him a mission. He says, you go and you, you tell people what the Lord's done for you. And he went throughout the ten cities and he told everybody, this is what the Lord has done for me. In Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the day. What is our mission? To go and make disciples. It, that, it's not a burden. Now, I think some people, because maybe people are motivated the wrong way, have, have looked at evangelism as a bad word. I don't want to hear about that. I just want to go to church and be encouraged. I just want to come and worship. Well, that, we're not here just for you to worship. you got to go out and fulfill your mission. The Lord's given you. You know, a lot of churches, they've forgotten the mission. They think the purpose of the church is to hold to their cultural values. That our little church, the only people that are in it are people just like us. And we don't invite anybody who doesn't look like us or talk like us. 
to, to come into our church. That's, that's not what the church is for. Or are we here to talk about political issues? We're here to talk about Trump. We're here to talk about Obama. We're here to talk about health care. That's not the purpose of the church. I pray you got health care, but that's not my purpose. I'm, that's not my mission. To talk to you about your health care. I'm sorry. And we do a lot of other things. We help the poor. Right? We do it. But let's not forget the mission of the church. The reason that Jesus went to the cross and died was not so that you could just come and sing songs. That's not why he did it. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus loved us. He rescued us. He redeemed us. Where would we be without Him? But why did He do it? So that we would no longer live for ourselves. So that our motivation now would be, He saved me. Now, Lord, use me to help save somebody else. You know, some of us may be thinking, well, Sam, I'm just not, not that articulate. You know, I'm not that good with, with meeting strangers or, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do that. Look, all you got to do is just give somebody an invitation. He doesn't say it's your job to make sure everybody gets saved. You can't save anybody anyway. But it's your job to give people an opportunity to be saved. That's what we do. You know, I think back to the, to the guy, the poor guy who invited me to Bible talk. I don't know what his motivation was. He didn't look that happy when he invited me. And he didn't even come to invite me. He came to invite my roommate. I just happened to be in the room. And my roommate just basically told him, get out of here. I don't have anything to do with it. And then he turned to me and he says, well, what about you? And I said, I'm not doing anything. I'll go. I didn't even know what I was going to, but it changed my life. I've never seen the guy again. I tried to look him up on Facebook. That was 40 years ago. I don't know what he's doing. But God used him to save me. And all he did was say, will you come? And so God is saying to you and me, just go out and ask somebody, will you come? Will you come to my church? Just come check it out. It's okay. The singing's pretty good. There's some good people in there. And the preacher, oh man, the preacher, he real good. You really got to come and hear this. That's it. Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Well, I wonder if they're open. I wonder if they're closed. What does an open person look like? What does a closed person look like? I don't know. I wasn't wearing any verses that day. Please rest. I mean, we need to get about the mission. The Bronx is lost. It's lost. And there are people out there who prayed last night. God, please help me. 
lead me to something that will help change my life. They don't, they don't know what they really need. But we know what they really need because we used to be them. We used to be them. That was me. That was you. Aimless, hopeless, powerless, confused. Oh, it's not that we didn't have some gifts or something to offer or weren't having some success, but we knew that we did not have a purpose. And we knew we were failing more times than we were succeeding when it came to overcoming sin. And right now I am so thankful that somebody went out of their way to invite me to church to give me that invitation, that opportunity to be saved. And now I just need to give it to somebody else. And not everybody I've ever invited has been open. No, no, some people have. Some people I've invited strangers, never know them, and they became Christians. And other people I've invited, I invited last time, I remember I invited a, a, a cop um, in Target. Target's a good place to... to, to to target people. And I've met some open people in Target. And I've met some unopen. I invited one policeman. He said, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. The stuff I've seen, I know there isn't a God. The stuff I've seen. I couldn't even get a word in. I just wanted to tell him, no, the stuff you've seen, there is a devil. That's what you need to know. And that people need God. But I couldn't even get it in. He just wasn't open. Church, remember the big picture. Your purpose. Your mission. Don't lose sight. The 52-day challenge is just helping you fulfill your purpose and your mission. To God be the glory.